In the years following Sargon of Akkad's conquests of the ancient cities of Sumer in the 24th century BC, Akkadians ruled supreme for close to 200 years. It was only then, after the now prosperous and complacent Akkadians were racked by a long series of droughts and famines, that a vast and terrifying new wave of outsiders began to flood into the empire. The Sumerians called them scorpions in the form of men. We know them as Gutians, and they were about to destroy the Akkadian Empire for good, levelling their capital so completely that it was never occupied again, remaining lost to this day. From the mountains beyond the borders of the civilised world they came, and unlike the Akkadians, who had at least been a part of Sumerian society during the time of Sargon's conquests, the Gutians were illiterate outsiders, uninterested in the trappings of the civilised world, beside riches and power. After descending from their homeland in the Zagros Mountains, they swiftly conquered the cities of the plains, forcing the city dwellers to accept their rule. For more than a century to come, the Gutians ruled as barbarian warlords, firmly keeping their boots over the necks of their Sumerian and Akkadian subjects. The Gutian occupation created little in terms of culture and caused huge damage from an environmental perspective. The already fragile, heavily salinated Mesopotamian landscape, weathered from thousands of years of intense farming in an already marginal environment, dried up completely in many areas due to lack of upkeep and population displacement. As the years went by, this lack of care led to massive droughts and societal chaos, and eventually, the downfall of the Gutians. It was then, during the midst of this dark and tragic time, that a saviour arose amongst the downtrodden Sumerian populace. After an interlude of more than 300 years, and no less than two lengthy periods of foreign occupation, the last and greatest Sumerian state was about to arise upon the Mesopotamian plain, the first to truly hold the title Empire. In around 2050 BC, the governor of the city of Uruk, traditionally one of the giants of Sumeria, and an already ancient place that had reached its peak population of more than 50,000 a millennia before, rose up in revolt against his Gutian overlords. Utu Hangal of Uruk, one of the first native kings of Sumer after centuries of Akkadian and Gutian rule, quickly reasserted his people's independence and began to bring the other cities under his banner, using his Sumerian nationality as a beacon. The ancients were back. Though within just a handful of years, it increasingly became apparent that it wouldn't be Utu Hangal who would lead them. Just as those on the peripheries of Mesopotamia, such as the Akkadians, Gutians, and later Hurrians and Amorites, learned statesmanship from the Sumerians in a gradual knock-on effect, in turn, the militaristic ways of these outsiders rubbed off on at least some Sumerians, none more so than Ur-Namu, a general of uncertain origins, possibly previously under the command of Utu Hengal. In the years following Uruk's independence from the Gutians, Ur-Namu went rogue, seizing power for himself and launching Sumeria into a new age. Utu Hengal had turned Sumeria into a kingdom once more, but Ur-Namu would turn it into an empire. Within just a few short years, Ur-Namu succeeded in conquering or annexing all of the major Sumerian cities, including Ur, Eridu, Uruk, Lagash, and even the ancient holy city of Nippur, 
where he was eventually crowned in a grand ceremony. He then proceeded to look outside of the traditional Sumerian heartlands to conquer the towns of Isin, Larsa, Eshnunna, and as far north as the Jazeera, establishing the Neo-Sumerian Empire as arguably the most powerful of its day. His descendants would go even further in bringing the old enemy of Elam in modern-day Iran under their sway. Though Ernamu is well remembered for his military exploits, he also had a reputation for statesmanship. During his reign, he spent significant amounts of time in restoring roads and general order after the chaos of the Gutian period. He was also responsible for numerous large-scale building projects, constructing great stepped pyramids called ziggurats all over his land. Most notable of these was the iconic Great Ziggurat of Ur, which still dominates its locale to this day. He also established the world's oldest known law code, predating that of Hammurabi of Babylon by 300 years. Though the code may seem primitive by our standards today, very much adhering to the principle of an eye for an eye, it was an extremely important step in the eventual development of better systems of government over time. After an 18-year reign, Ernamu was succeeded by his son Shulgi. Little is known of Shulgi's reign besides his eventual death on the battlefield against the Gutians, which was later commemorated in a long Sumerian poetic composition. Shulgi's death, coupled with the later construction of vast walls and fortifications along the frontier, hint at a long series of wars against the Gutians, and possibly other peoples on the peripheries of the Neo-Sumerian state, which remained very much under threat for its entire existence. For all of the grandeur of Ernamu's building projects, and all of the optimism that his subjects may have had during his reign, the third dynasty of Ur, which he founded, was a short-lived state, even for the standards of the day. By the time of Ibisin, a century later, the Sumerian Empire increasingly came under attack by yet another group of barbarians from beyond the Pale. These newcomers were known as the Amorites, and like the Gutians before them, they were considered a backward people by Mesopotamian standards. As faith in Ibisin's leadership failed, Elam not only redeclared its independence, but began to raid into Mesopotamia as well. Ibisin ordered more fortifications built at the important cities of Ur and Nippur, but these efforts were not enough to stop the raids or keep his empire unified. Cities and towns throughout Ibisin's empire fell away from the king who could not protect them, and once more they came under the sway of rulers who would, this time in the form of Amorite warlords. By 1940 BC, Ibisin ruled over little more than the immediate vicinity around Ur. By the end of the year, he held nothing but the inside of a prison cell, having been captured by the Elamites after they sacked his capital and put it to the torch. His eventual fate is unknown. Never again would a Sumerian state rise upon the Mesopotamian plain. A new age had dawned. Unlike the Gutians before them, these Amorites who had conquered Sumeria gradually began to adopt the customs of their settled neighbours, notably founding cities such as Babylon and ruling over Isin, and at times even the old Assyrian Empire to the north. It increasingly became clear that the Amorites were here to stay, and the established balance of power in the region would never be the same again. <laughs>